Hello and welcome to the Sports Ethos DFS Today podcast. This is my good friend Harris Kamani. I'm Mike Patria. We're here to break down this wonderful little Thursday action. We've got three games to talk about. Harris back off of the DL. He was uh he was dealing with flu like symptoms, if I'm not mistaken. You know, missed the game. He's good to go. But Harris, my friend, how are you? Uh, feeling feeling much better now. Thanks for asking. Yeah, last uh, last weekend was quite the quite the ordeal. As I said it's it was definitely a flu. Thankfully, not COVID or anything like that. Already dealt with that and done with. But uh, I think I think I must have had like food poisoning or something of that sort because I was just out for the entire weekend. I didn't get out of bed. It pretty much sweated away like Gary Trent. Probably sweated away eight pounds in that. But uh, feeling much better, ready to go, and right right on time too. Because otherwise, I. Uh, May not have been able to get out for uh, for game six, but there's no way I'm missing that. Glad to uh, glad to be back on the grind for that. My man would have showed up in a bubble. Uh, <laughs> bottom line, bottom line. I already know that, but uh, we're gonna dive into things. Before we do, a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor over at Thrive Fantasy. Guys, come prop up with us while this NBA season's still going. Uh, times are ticking, but you can still sign up and get a 100% instant deposit match on up to $100 when you sign up at. Thrive Fantasy using that promo code Ethos. That is E T H O S. Get all your prop bet action out there with the number one prop website. My favorite. I know it's your favorite too, Harris. But uh, we got a lot of good action going on tonight, guys. So don't forget to sign up and use that promo code Ethos. That is E T H O S to receive that 100% instant first deposit match on Thrive Fantasy. So, Harris, we got three games to talk about. No better than to start off with your team, Philadelphia 76ers. They are traveling to Toronto, taking on the Raptors, 209.5 game total. Sixers favored by 1.5 points here. Joel Embiid is available. T. Seibel not available. And then for the Raptors, Fred VanVleet is doubtful. Thad Young is available. I guess I'll start this off, man. It's We always mix it up. I know they're the home team. Usually take the away team, but you got to talk about your squad. So I'll start off here with the Sixers. Uh, I mean, let's let's be. You, you said it. They need a win. They they need to pull something out. You got to imagine that they're gonna. They're all playing basically as many minutes as they can handle. I think that's the stage of the first round that we're in. If there's teams playing, the starters are probably playing 40 minutes. Uh, there's no ifs ands or buts about that. Uh, Joel Embiid struggled over the last two games, and need, needless to say, they dropped both of them. Uh, he's playing 40 minutes. The shot attempts, they're there. They're at 15, 16 attempts over the last two games. Uh, struggling from the field. He hasn't been, you know, getting to the line as often, I feel like, as he's used to. 15 compliant free throws. It feels weird saying that over the past two games. Uh, but this is a dude that finds himself at the free throw line 10 to 15 times per game anyway. Uh, so, I mean, maybe you could touch on what the Raps are doing to contain him. I know that they've been playing Precious a little bit more. Uh, we've been seeing Siakam a decent amount. At, but it, it seems like he's just struggling. Uh, he's not getting what he wants, bottom line. But 10-4. You know how I kind of always feel about Embiid, man. If you're going to play him, play him. I have no qualms with it. Is he my top spend up on the slate? That's always, the, I guess, the main question that we can talk about. Uh, and for the fact of the matter is, it is. I, I, I think Joel's going to have a nice big game against your Raps, man. Uh, I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, I'm, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't. But two bad games in a row is kind of the method I was taking with Durant during that Celtics game. And I, and I, I played him in every single one of them. Uh, I took it off the chin in a few. I made some money on that last one, that's for sure. Uh, but 
they're going to do everything they can to close this out. And I'm looking for Joel Embiid to get back on track. So I will be looking at Embiid. Uh, Harden coming in at 9-1. There's, there's, there's a lot of guards you can spend up on in this slate, whether you want to go to the Harden, Chris Paul route. Uh, you can even go down to Mitchell, but I probably will avoid that. And then you have the value guards that we know that we've been taking advantage of, your Clarksons, your Gary Trents. But if I'm playing Embiid, I'm not going to probably pair it with Harden, although I do think that is an optimal strategy if you want to go that route. I just want to kind of spread it out. I expect all these games to be fairly close. So I'll probably stick my money mostly on Embiid, forego Harden. I haven't been playing Maxi all series. Uh, you know, I'll take it off the chin if he beats me. I'm okay with that. But for the most part, I think it's just going to be riding with Embiid. I know you're going to touch on Tobias Harris because I feel like you are the Tobias Harris guy. So I'll let you do that. Uh, and then Danny Green, if you ever land on him, not a troublesome guy, not the best guy. We're never happy about playing Danny Green. You're just hoping that he has one of his 25-point DK point games. Uh, I'm probably not going to chase it, but I can let others. 4,400, I'm not getting that same discount. So long-winded answer, man, but probably just a bead for me over here. <laughs> <laughs> and on the other hand, as much as I would like to uh, play Embiid, and as you said, 10-4 makes a lot of sense for what he should be doing. Honestly, I, I just don't know if this thumb is going to allow him to get to the level that he is hoping to. I mean, obviously, as a Raptors fan, I'm hoping it continues to be that case. But as you said, those uh, free throw attempts that have been on the way down, a lot of that is just very directly correlated to the fact that he's just not uh, going to the rim with nearly as much aggression because he plain and simple does not want to be whacked on that hand. And it's clear with the way that he's playing, he's just catching the ball a lot higher up. He's catching it near the three-point line a lot more often now and trying to operate a little bit more up there and see if he can find a guy or if he can uh, potentially get a an open pull-up instead rather than going into the rim itself, which I think is going to be a theme for the remainder of this series. Philly will absolutely want to close this game out here. They do not want a game seven, and they want as much time as possible for Embiid to be able to heal that thumb. That being said, if he absolutely kills it this game, then great. You know, hats off to him, and it'll be awesome. But I would much rather personally go the Harden route over here, where I do feel like, one, James Harden in general has been playing pretty well in Toronto in the two games that he has played first and foremost in general he plays well against Toronto and even though he hasn't had that real explosion game yet as far as the scoring is concerned the rest of the ancillary stats have kept him pretty solidly in that uh, like mid 40s average for the entire series yeah he's had two games in the 30s but at the same time that just won't really kill you given the uh, given the salary being that little bit lower for a guy who is a stud like he is so between the two and again given the fact that Harden has that shooting guard eligibility He's definitely in my player pool, probably one of the guys they will have a lot of exposure to. And yeah, you pretty much took the Thunder as far as Tobias Harris is concerned because he has, without a doubt, been the Sixers' best player overall. Over the five games, he hasn't had a dud yet. He has consistently been the one guy that they can actually rely on to be able to generate some offense outside of uh, outside of Embiid when he's not going. And then just in general, the fact that he's had a great series on the glass and I expect that to continue just given the fact that you know as much as the Raptors have done a great job in terms of keeping him beat out uh, throwing uh, you know precious Thad even a, a combination of Kem Birch out on him it's been Tobias Harris that's been allowed to roam free and be able to grab those rebounds and uh, come in and put, get those putbacks as well so there's just a lot of upside for that price tag yeah he's gone up to 7,000 now which is the highest of the series but Again, with his worst game being 31 and you getting the upside of him potentially putting up 40-plus uh, games, he's definitely a guy I'm looking at. And you've already spoken about Danny Green. Danny Green's a sleeper agent. He'll get hot early on. He'll hit a couple of those shots there, and then he'll just uh, – he knows when to miss for the Raptors down the, down the line. So uh, don't take him for 4,400, plain and simple. I'd rather uh, – if you're going to be uh, 
going for someone cheap at the bottom over there, I'd rather take the uh, take the bet with like a George Yang or something who can come in and hit a couple of threes and if needed for three thousand, three thousand two hundred, that's that's fine. But honestly, not really. Yeah, I mean, if position doesn't matter, you're going to get to him in a second. But Precious is only two hundred dollars more, and exactly. I mean, there's a lot more players. It's going to come down to your build. Is essentially it. I mean. I'll probably end up double centering it on this one just because where value is there on a three game slate, you're going to take it. Mm-hmm. There's another center that we will get to later on. Um, outside of that, pretty much all I'm looking at. Uh, what else are you looking at over here on the Toronto side? I know that I don't want to steal your thunder, man, but I have a feeling Gary Trent's name is going to get mentioned. And I, I'm only saying it early because I know my friend. Listen, if Matisse, if Matisse Leibel was eligible for this game, he would have been mentioned on the other side. I, I mean, we've done how many shows together, man? So uh, I just got to throw it out there. Yeah, well, you aren't wrong. That being said, it will be a combination of Scotty Barnes and OG where I'm going to have the majority of my exposure. Uh, Fred Van Vliet is going to be out. It's pretty much guaranteed. And it, honestly, it's been a blessing in disguise for how this entire series has gone. It's allowed the Raptors to throw their lengthier guys out there. And in general, it's not like Fred himself was having a great series. It's just not been a good matchup for him in general. So Point Scotty has been the guy who's been able to step in. We saw his minutes restriction get lifted last game. And even though he was looking a little hobbled at the end over there, that's totally fine. It's just going to have to push through at this point. 41 minutes in the last game. I expect him to get somewhere close to that here yet again and <clears throat> be a lot more involved with the uh, with the offensive side of things. In general, we've seen his field goal attempts not really get to the level that we saw kind of near the end of the season, uh, 12, 13, usually around 15 field goal attempts is what we were seeing to kind of get him to his rookie of the year campaign, which, by the way, Awesome, an awesome presentation. He was able to get that, and I was uh, happily surprised that he did get it. I was uh, personally banking on Mobley, so lost a little bit of cash there, but it's one of those ones that I'm happy to lose a bet for to see uh, Scotty become the third Raptor to win Rookie of the Year. Outside of that, we already spoke about Precious. Precious has just been the key guy that they can go out there and throw on Embiid, and in the last game, we saw the other side of it. He took Embiid off the dribble three times, not once, not twice, three times he was able to go in and get the bucket on him. And I have a feeling they're going to continue to do that because Embiid is clearly looking winded for the uh, for the remainder of the series. You know, the energy that's been sapped out from the Thorn ligament, everything else has kind of slowed down as a result of it, and they're using Precious to attack as much as possible. So expect him to continue to get that opportunity to put up those 10-11 uh, field goal attempts while he's out there try to get his offense going because that's really been the issue with the Raptors. The three-point ball hasn't been going. Gary Trent was able to get hot in uh, in the games at home, so we're hoping that when he gets back at home again, he'll have the opportunity to be able to do that. And now that he's over his uh, his illness, he's going to be somewhere near 20 field goal attempts a game. So if everything else you know doesn't work out, and it's not like I'm a huge fan of the fact that he's up to 6,500 in terms of price tag. The upside is just there because his offense is going to be required, and especially uh, off the dribble to get those threes up there, he's going to be highly, highly required. So looking forward to that. Yeah, I think bottom line, if the Raptors are going to win this game, they need they need 20-plus from either, you know, I would say probably even 23-plus from either Trent or OG. One of those guys is going to have to do it. Great pivots off each other, have the same position eligibility. Um, I imagine I don't know where ownership will probably be pretty even with those two guys. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't I don't think much will separate them. I think if you're a multi-build type of person, you're going to want a 50 50 your shares if you're playing that small forward position in this game. Because 
I think Trent, obviously, the better score, the better person to get hot. We'll see more ancillary stats from OG, probably even, I'd say, in the steals category. So, rightfully so, they should be priced this close together. Yeah, and and I know I didn't mention Pascal in all this because just I've I've kind of been taking a little bit of him off the chin as much as he's been absolutely great in this series. Uh, at ninety two hundred, I would just again money or position not being uh, not being included in that. I'm, I would rather take James Harden for a hundred dollars less and, and bank with that. But Siakam has just been awesome on his end, and his price tag is pretty fair. I just don't think he has that kind of upside where I can potentially be looking at like a sixty point game or like a high fifty point game on a consistent basis. Uh, to really uh, justify putting 9,200 in on him. Yeah, and I'm kind of right there. I mean, I prefer, like I said, I, I'm okay with spending up on Embiid at the center position just because we'll, we'll get to some of these other centers on the slate. Um, it mostly comes out of position eligibility, but obviously if I'm spending up that way and I'm looking at some of these other games, I'm probably not going to be landing on too too much basketball. I'm I'm looking at Trent. I'm looking at, you You said it, Scotty Barnes, Precious. Those are the two guys uh, or three guys that pique my interest the most. They're the easiest to build around. They allow me to still get good exposure to this other game. Um, and bottom line, like you, the, everybody in this game is playing 40 plus minutes. Um, and it's probably going to be the theme for the night because these are all pretty close series. Uh, we'll move on to the next one though. Phoenix Suns traveling to New Orleans, taking on the Pelicans. This game right now coming in at 213.5 game total, which is surprisingly, uh, the highest of the night. And the Suns are being favored by two and a half points to the injury report. It's just Kier Lewis Jr., Zion, other side of the ball, Devin Booker. And as we know, Dario Sarge just missed entirety of the season pretty much uh we'll start off here with phoenix i just touched on chris paul um he's probably the my favorite of those 9k we're just getting security with chris paul you know what i mean like, it, it's not regular season chris paul we're not we're not spending 9300 for it because they have a guy named devin booker who's going to be taking you know 20 18 to 20 plus shot attempts which would normally put chris paul anywhere from you know a range of 5 to 13 uh not much more than that but with devin booker off the floor We've seen it in that last game, 18 shot attempts. He's always going to have those double-digit assists. He is a pass-first point guard. There's no doubt about it. I mean, bet the under. if you're uh, The under bet on his double-digit assists has to be, like, plus, like, 240 or something like that. Um, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I, I'm, I'm feeling the security blanket of him. He's averaging about 48.5 DK points with Devin Booker being in some of those games against the Pelicans this season. Uh, it's just a great matchup overall for him. They really have nobody on the other side of the ball that can defend. Maybe it's McCollum. Not worried about it. If, it ends, if at any point in time if it ends up being Devontae Graham, he's going to get buckets. Uh, Devontae Graham's an absolutely terrible defender. So Chris Paul, 9,300, sign me up. DeAndre Ayton coming at 7-9. I prefer Gobert over him. Um, and then on, on the first game, I already spoke my piece about Embiid. So I'm probably not going to end up on too much DeAndre. But it's going to be these ancillary options, I think, that draw the most amount of ownership. You know, your Cam Johnson, your Macau Bridges. Uh, if I had to pick one of those two, I'm going to go with Cam Johnson for 4,900. Uh, listen, they're both going to play a ton of minutes. I know that we got Bridges coming off of an absolutely monster game. Some factors to keep in mind, though. He shot 70% in that game. He knocked down 4-4 for his three-pointers. He had He's always a good defensive stat stuffer. We know that because he was a defensive player of the year candidate. It's not very often that he's going to get four blocks to steal, we can imagine. So uh, at 6K, he's still in play, don't get me wrong. But I think with that box score and that last one, people are going to flock to the ownership. The 6K is not enough. Uh, I, I think I'm going to avoid him, man. And you give me your piece on that. Tell me if I'm, if I'm foolish, if I'm dumb. But I think I'm going to end up with more Cam Johnson for $1,100 less. Because if Cam can put me up 26 to 30, Bridges gets me, I'm thinking probably right around that 30 to 33, that $1,100 is going to come in handy. So Cam Johnson, Chris Paul, two primary options. 
don't mind the, a little bit of McCall. Probably end up with a couple shares. And the only other worth, person worth mentioning is Jay Crowder. But at 4,700, we've already talked, you know, if you need it and you land on it, sure. Don't mind it, but I'm not going out of my way to play him, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're pretty much right on the uh, same wavelength with regards to that. And, yes, between Bridges and Cam Johnson, I have been playing more Cam Johnson, though Bridges just – I mean, the last game he was sitting at uh, at 5,700, which is a great spot for me to be able to take him, and he obviously killed it in that one. But uh, right there with you as far as Chris Paul is concerned, although there is still that prospect that Devin Booker could potentially end up returning here for this game six. Yeah, he was initially listed out for that uh, two to three weeks, but they've already said that if necessary, he's definitely going to play a game seven, and he's already uh, in a potential situation, even though he's listed as doubtful that he could play for that sixth game as well, which would obviously take a little bit of shine away from these ancillary pieces if that does end up happening. So let's uh, keep an eye out for that. But by and large, uh, as you said, it's been Chris Paul or bust. I haven't been taking much, if anything, of Aiton throughout this entire playoff series. I'd rather take the center on the other end, who I have been taking pretty consistently and has uh, overall, I'd say, outplayed him. So we'll have to see uh, how that ends up going in this matchup, especially given that it is a a do-or-die situation for the New Orleans Pelicans now which, if anything, only helps Chris Paul, because in the end, we know that all we we need is Chris Paul to have a game close in the fourth quarter for him to activate his takeover mode as far as his field goal attempts are concerned. He'll probably end up taking seven, eight, nine of them right in that fourth quarter itself, because that's when his offense is needed. Otherwise, he'll just rack up those double-digit assists like, like it's any other day. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, it'll probably be most of Chris Paul, and I'll keep an eye out for Devin Booker just to see if I decide to take uh, Cam Johnson or not. All right. And then when it comes to the Pelicans, obviously it's led by the three-man attack of Brandon Ingram, McCollum, Valanciunas. All these guys feel, I mean, Ingram feels appropriate. McCollum, I I think that's an appropriate price tag for him. I think maybe Ingram's $200, $300 too much. Joe Val feels pretty appropriate as well. I mean, there's no real discounts on any of these guys. So why don't you give me, I guess, who you're looking at uh, primarily. I mean, a lot of those guys in that 7.5K above range. So, again, it's going to force us with some tough decisions when it comes to some of those Toronto guys. We just talked about Chris Paul. We'll get to the last game. So, I guess, where are you looking over here on this Pelican squad? Yeah, and as you said, they're all priced very, very appropriately because they've been pretty much playing the same way for this entire playoff series. The uh, Apart from the fact that I have been taking a good bit of Alan Tunas, and I will continue to do that, just because I do expect him to continue to do well in this matchup. Now he's at nine games for this entire season with Phoenix and averaging 43 DK points in that, and he's uh, coming off two excellent games as well. So he just continues to get his massive double-digit rebound games, and if he can get uh, his shot going to the level that he has now in the last two games versus the first three where he was really struggling with it, you're going to find that 40-plus is not going to be a problem as far as his DK points are concerned. So of all the centers on the slate, I do think Valanciunas is my favorite to to be able to take, if you're not, of course, spending up and going for Embiid. That's going to be where a lot of my exposure does come. The other element has been Jose Alvarado, who has uh, been seeing his minutes tick up ever so slightly as they continue to find more ways to be able to go and have him really try and wear Chris Paul down. And that's really the uh, kind of overarching theme of whether the Pelicans are going to be able to force a game seven on here. Cause Paul, as much as they had a great uh, win to be able to close it out in the fourth quarter, there got a lot of help from Mikael Bridges to be able to do it. Cause he looked winded on his own. And much of that is happening because Alvarado is just chasing him all over the place, just being an absolute pest. And I expect that as much as we've seen Devontae Graham's minutes go down to like 12, 13, I could see him almost be completely out of the rotation and have Alvarado end up playing somewhere closer into that uh, high 20s. And I expect 
uh, given how uh, successful that defensive matchup by and large has been for the Pelicans uh, in lieu of the other options that are there. At 3,400, he's going to be uh, probably one of my uh, top-picked value guys on the slate. Yeah, and I can argue with that. I, I'm kind of right there in agreements with you where, you know, if you could take Chris Paul out of the game, you're okay with letting somebody – hey, if you take Chris Paul – and no one's taking him out. I'm not saying that. But uh, if you could put somebody that's a little peskier on Chris Paul, the whole this whole team is just in shambles. I mean, Mikhail Bridges is as great as he was in that last game. Not the greatest at finding his own shot. Same could be said for Cam Johnson. DeAndre and the post guy that we once saw at Dayton is uh, – is it's not there. Um Dayton. I feel like that's not the right school. Where did where did he play in college? Help me out here. Uh, wow, no, it wasn't Dayton. It was yeah. I see the keys fluttering, and I need to know this because I don't know why Dayton's popping in my head, but I know. No, it's he not. played in area. He played in the University Arizona. of Arizona. Yeah, yeah, Arizona. Yeah, that's, that's what I was gonna uh, say. Yeah, I, was like, yeah. I was like Dayton. Uh, completely off there, but it's I, we haven't really seen him finding his own shots since he's been in the NBA. He has a decent you know back to the basket type game, but. Nothing, nothing that's going to blow anybody out of the water. Um, so, I mean, they're going to they're going to definitely utilize Alvarado, in my opinion. I think there's no doubts about that when it comes down to it. Um, do they continue to take up? Probably, maybe 22, maybe 20. Um, I can see him playing a lot in the fourth quarter if this is a tight game. Uh, that's one thing for sure. I mean, obviously, it's going to come at the sacrifice of one of these starters, whether it's going to be Herb Jones or somebody else. But it's really going to come down to I think if they have any chance of capturing the series. It's making Chris Paul uncomfortable. Um, I'm with you. I think Valanciunas is a solid option. Again, uh, I am gravitating a little bit towards Gobert. I feel like if Donovan Mitchell sits, and that's going to be a big if, because right now they're saying he practiced and he's good to go. Uh, but we know this dude's playing through an injury right now. I don't think we will be seeing as much iso ball from Donovan Mitchell. I think he's going to be trying to get others involved in that last game. So we'll get we'll get to that one. Um, but that's kind of the reason why I am gravitating towards a little bit more Gobert than I am to Valanciunas. I also think he'll be lower owned. A lot of other factors. I gotta. I play GPPs, and on a three game slate, I gotta try to differentiate myself somewhere. And when there's this many centers in the seven K range between him, Aiton, uh, and Joval, you're gonna look at the empty one. It's probably gonna be. Aiton. I think Joval will probably draw the highest ownership out of all three, uh, but I could be wrong. Uh, but not really playing Ingram. Not really playing McCollum. I do like him, but as of right now, I just I prefer him over Mitchell. Um, I do think that when I find it, push comes to shove. If I'm playing a beat, I'm not going to be able to get three of these guys in my lineup when it's all said and done. So I'll be the ancillary options, like you said. The Larry Nance Juniors, the Jose Alvarados, probably won't be playing Herb Jones, but I like those two ancillary guys to pair with some of these wonderful Suns players that we talked about. So we'll shift on to the last game. Dallas Mavericks traveling to Utah. Taking on the Jazz, 209.5 game total. Jazz favored by 1.5 points. This game will be in Utah. Dallas, Tim Hardaway Jr. is ruled out. Donovan Mitchell, like I just said, is probable. I will pass it. Well, I guess I, I you know what? Yeah, I was like, you should start with Dallas. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, this doesn't feel right. I mean, you know, Dallas, my team, Toronto, your team. There you go. Both games, 3-2. Um just on, on the other side of coins for each one of us. But, you know, who's bragging? No one. Uh, if any team would blow this a lead, it would be my Mavericks. But Luka Doncic coming in at 11K, I love him. Um, I love playing him. Am I going to play him over Embiid? Probably not, simply because of position eligibility. Raw points, I do think Luka outscores him. But, again, uh, I'm looking at ownerships. I think Luka would be higher owned. And I'm looking at position eligibility. He's only point guard eligible. I already talked about Chris Paul and wanting to play him at 93. So that was, is pretty much the only 
I guess, negative thing I could say about playing Luca. I'm not going to say he's a bad play because he's not. He's a fantastic play. I think we're looking at 50 to 55 uh, as a floor and the upside of Luca, 70, 80. We know what this dude can do. Uh, I'm not going to Brunson, not going to Dinwiddie ever since Luca came back. It's, you know, Brunson's still going to be involved in this offense. We saw the 20 shot attempts from him. Uh, but the ball handling responsibility has pretty much been just immediately sapped away from him. And now we're actually hoping that he over rebounds at his position, which he's done uh, pretty much all series long. But compared to his season stats, he's averaging four rebounds per game. Uh, I do not expect him to keep up a torrid pace of what he's had seven, eight, those games without Luca. Keep that in mind. Um, one in the one game without Luca and then five and five over the last two. So uh, I'm probably going to bet against Brunson. It doesn't feel great, but if you want to play him again, wouldn't fault you one bit. Just not going to have the money to get there. And I, we talked about some of these other options. And for the most part, man, I think everybody else is priced appropriately. I think there's maybe a little juice left in the orange if you want to target some of this front court. But Rudy Gobert is not the matchup that you generally want to do it against. So when it comes to like a Dwight Powell or a Maxi Kleber, I don't feel great about either one of them. What would it shock me if one of them has a great game? No. So, again, long-winded answer. I don't, I don't think I'm playing anybody uh, outside of maybe a couple of shares of Luka in pivot lineups. Yeah, fair enough. Although I, on the other hand, have been consistently playing Brunson throughout this entire series, and with that shooting guard eligibility, I probably see myself doing it again. He just he hasn't burned me yet. Even with Luca back, he's uh, been able to get enough of those field goal attempts to keep himself relevant. The rest of the uh, ancillary stats have kind of stayed in the same area. It's pretty much because Dinwiddie has become just an absolute non-factor, if anything. If they're going to lose this game, it's going to be because Dinwiddie does dumbwitty things for a couple of the... Uh, plays that he has been in later on in the game so plain and simple Brunson is well embroiled in my mind as the second option on this team and at 7200 I'm happy to take him uh, I'm as much as I'd like to take Luca, it's very much in the same boat as you I'd rather take hard for his price I'd rather take Chris Paul for their price and those would end up being my guards there and then I've got uh, Brunson to get a little bit of exposure on it so that's that's pretty much it and yeah not taking anyone else as far as Dallas is concerned so would you take Brunson or one of the Gary Trent OG combos? So I would take Brunson over Gary Trent, if that's what you're asking, just because uh, it's just on how many um, you know, field goal attempts are going to be going around. I expect that we're going to see Scotty Barnes be a lot more involved on the offensive end. Again, here at home with his minutes go up, his field goal attempts will be going up as well, just because it is... Last game at home, if they don't do it, and I believe Scotty's going to put it out all on the floor here. So looking to see that. I believe OG it just gets more ancillary stats, as you said, to make it a little safer on the uh, on the floor side. Brunson should be somewhere near 39 uh, DK points without a problem for his 7,200. I'll take him, even though Gary can always do Gary things. All right. We'll move on to the final team, which is the Utah Jazz, my friend. Why don't you lead us off here? Yeah, so with the Utah Jazz, I know you've been speaking about Rudy Gobert and We'll have to see how that ends up looking with uh, with Donovan Mitchell getting out there. But just in general, I haven't liked how they've been looking at Rudy Gobert on offense. It's just been very much like you know, break the glass, last potential scenario. Okay, fine, we'll get Rudy somewhat involved. And he hasn't passed eight field goal attempts in the game, which you know, not that you necessarily expect Rudy to be massive on the offensive end, but he's not been getting those you know, those monster rebounding games that we've been uh, we've kind of been used to. Yes, he's gotten two 17s to start off, but really that worry that he's kind of in that low uh, double-digit rebounds is a problem when his blocks have been down for the series as well. He's only at about uh, one block a game for uh, the overall series, and it's just been you know slightly down for him in that sense. His price tag has also taken a little bit of a uh, of an uptick now, up to 7,700. So 
long and the short of it is that I will be taking Valanciunas in general over over uh, Gobert pretty much everywhere across the board. And if not, then I'll be going all the way to uh, to Joel Embiid if a certain other ma- lineups work out. Otherwise, uh, Jordan Clarkson continues to remain an absolutely solid option. His field goal attempts have just been going up and up as the series goes on alongside his minutes because clearly with Donovan Mitchell struggling overall on the offensive end, they've needed uh, a little bit of a spark plug on that side, and it's been after uh, Boyan has chopped his 0-for-9 stinker in the last game, it's been Jordan Clarkson that's been their uh, only really reliable guy that they can uh, that they can go ahead and throw out there. That being said, I am a, l- a little different on the Donovan Mitchell uh, side of things. I feel like this is his last chance to try and bring some redemption to what has been an absolutely god-awful series for him. He's been shooting it terribly. He's, what, 6 of 35 now from the, uh, from the three-point line. It's just been terrible, terrible chucking. But if anything, this is going to be his last chance at home to try and bring that because I am of the same opinion as a lot of people that if Utah lose over here, they are blowing this up. Either Mitchell or Gobert is going to be gone. And to me, I think it might be Mitchell that's actually the one that uh, ends up being given the uh, given the papers, given how bad he has been over the last little bit as the undeniable first option. So in general... 8800 is a pretty expensive price tag, yes, for what a Donovan Mitchell can do, but it just comes down to the fact that I believe he is going to be leaving it all out there as far as field goal attempts are concerned. We've seen him get to somewhere close to 30 field goal attempts early on in the series. I would not be surprised one bit if he gets to uh, gets to that on this one, as much as I despise how much hero ball he has been playing. It's kind of been uh, their only option since Gobert is clearly not involved enough on the offensive end for him. And if Clarkson's not going hot, then it's going to be Mitchell kind of taking it all under his wing. Yeah, I don't fault you. I just don't trust his his hamstring. Um, I mean, it didn't look good when it happened. And, I mean, I don't want to to get that price tag. I'm I'm a little nervous about it. Now, listen, if we see some beat reporters – I didn't check the the, the yeah, practice I, tape. I think know? they said it was a bruised quad now, right? So hopefully, is that, that what it was? I, yeah. So because I know it was originally ruled uh, a hamstring. Maybe you're right. Uh, maybe he's good to go. Maybe he's perfect. Maybe we see something that the beat reporter uh, beat reporter said, you know, regarding it, and that he's absolutely good and he practiced 100. percent There was no limitations. He was great. He looked great. He looked like his normal self. If that's the case, I think 8800 is a fine price tag. I mean, I've been playing him pretty much all series despite the torrent and terrible shooting he's had. Um, but at this price tag, like I said, pretty close to a guy named Chris Paul. We talked about other spend-ups all over this slate. He looks like he's one that I'm probably not going to get to. If anything, I actually do like Bogdanovich coming off an absolutely terrible shooting game. Um, if, again, I'm kind of – I came in with the impression that the quad's going to bother him. And if that's the case, I think we see less ISO, less hero ball, more team passing, more team shooting. Maybe Gobert gets an extra bucket or two. Not going to be much at all, but Bogdanovich is going to have to score. You talked about Clarkson and how great he's been all series pretty much, and you're absolutely correct. Uh, but two of the first three games, or you could say all three games that they actually won, um, or I'm sorry, had a chance, uh, it's been a lot on the back of Bogdanovich. The first three games of the series, at least 24 points in all three of them, 24, 25, and 26, uh, won those you know first two games. Extremely competitive, high-scoring third game, fourth game. Didn't shoot as much. Still not terrible, 40% on 4-10. Uh, problem was he wasn't knocking down a three. At 5,600, I think he's probably one of the best variable players on the slate, simply because at 56, he could easily win this slate. If he goes out there and scores 25 or 24 actual points, he's going to be putting up 35, 
uh, 40 DK points, and he's going to be 5,600. He's going to be a lot cheaper than a lot of those other small forward options that we've talked about throughout the course of the night, uh, whether you're talking about some of these guys over there on Toronto, uh, even if you're talking, you know, Bacal Bridges for $400 more. Uh, I expect him to draw far less ownership than all four or all three of those guys, and he can easily outscore them, and it wouldn't shock me one bit. So I really do like Bogdanovich. I talked about Gobert already. I think just because simply playing this ownership game in the Jazz one way or another is going to be something that's going to be a key to this slate, in my opinion. So looking at those two guys, I think that they'll both be lower owned than a lot of other respective positional players, uh, and they both have tons of upside. Uh, we've seen it unlocked a little bit, not so much as far as Gobert, uh, but we've seen it plenty of times in this series so far, but from McDonovich. So those are my two primary options. I don't mind Clarkson one bit. I just don't love that price tag at 5800 It's getting close to some of those other ranges that we talked about. Bogdanovich only $200 less. I'd rather go that way. Uh, and then Royce O'Neal at 4300 I don't feel like I really need to go there. It's just if he was 38 it would be a great option, 39 even. 43 you're pretty much banking on needing at least 20 to 25 DK points. And, yeah, he could do it, but it's, it's few and far in between with his no offensive game. So, that's the way I am approaching it, my friend, but we'll get to the fun part now. Give us our player tier. Give us your most expensive player. I think you've mentioned his name a few times. Yeah, and there's just there's a lot of great options to be able to go with it, but I'm going to stick with my guns, and I think James Harden still continues to be the guy that I trust most in that uh, in that 9,000 range. Yeah, we haven't seen that uh, that kind of a game just out of him as of yet, but I just – Something in my gut tells me that Embiid's going to continue to have his struggles over here, and Harden's going to have to come out and be that much more aggressive on the uh, on the offensive end. For instance, in that game uh, in that game four scenario where they did end up losing, he got up to 17 field goal attempts, and despite not shooting it all that great, I expect that he is going to need to be somewhere in that 17, if not 20, field goal attempts range to be able to make up for the fact that uh, Embiid is still far far below 100%. So I'll say he is my favorite expensive guy. I'll go with Chris Paul. Very similar player. Very similar price tag. Both expected, I guess, to have a little bit more offense coming their way, but both have passed for a set of players uh, in the offenses that they're in. So I like him. 9,300. I touched on Embiid again. It's going to come down to your build. If you have the money and you don't love those center options, I think Embiid is going to be a lower-owned, fantastic stud, worth even you know the torn ligament. Obviously, it's a factor. But when you can get Embiid at possibly a lower ownership, uh, you got to take advantage of it sometimes. And that's kind of been the theme, I think, of all my players tonight, my friend, is just playing the ownership game on a uh, three-game slate. We've already seen all these teams play at least five times. There's there's not much that's a secret at this point. So I think taking advantage of that ownership in one way or another is a great thing. Go Give me your mid-tier play. Yeah, and you know, I'm on with you with as far as the ownership side of it here is concerned as well because – in general, I would say Scotty Barnes at 6,200 is the guy I'm looking at, but I have a feeling I'm just going to find myself taking a lot more Tobias Harris. Just uh, 7,000, I expect him to be lower owned in comparison to a lot of the other forward options that are there. And as I've said, he's just been that most consistent player as far as Philadelphia is concerned. I expect him to get somewhere near 40 in this game as he has been in the uh, in the two games that he has been playing in Toronto itself continues to be uh, racking up a decent amount of rebounds well above his uh, season average here just because of how the uh, defense is kind of working out, allowing him to roam that little bit freer. So just has had probably the safest floor of any of these uh, starters as far as Philly's concerned, while still giving you that upside to be able to drop into the uh, mid-40s. So I like myself some Tobias. Well, see, I, w- I was totally expecting Scotty to come out of your mouth, so I had somebody else teed up. But I think we both, we'll just say Scotty because we both love Scotty. 
Um, there's no doubt about it. Uh, this, he's going to be playing point guard the whole nine, but I'll go Bogdanovich just because I just harped on him for about 15 minutes. Uh, and I love the upside that he has at 5,600 in the ownership that I'm expecting him to draw. And then give me your value play, which not much, but we got some. Yeah, I mean, being below 4,900, Precious absolutely just pops off the page for his uh, 4,600, just continues to be that guy who is, uh, been a bit of the X factor really in the games that Toronto has either almost won as he did in game three, if only he had hit his free throws, but even in the game since then, he's just been that wrinkle that they've thrown in to be able to essentially throw Embiid off his game, force him to be that little bit further out. And I expect that that trend is going to continue and he's going to continue to find more offense uh, coming his way as well with uh, him being able to now attack Embiid off the dribble with him looking just that little bit slower than he had been earlier on in the series. Yeah, I can't fall too. I like Precious. Um, and then I'll go with uh, Cam Johnson at 4,900. Again, these aren't crazy values, but they're both under that 5K mark. They're both expected to have uh, pretty good minute workloads, um, shot attempts and all that. That varies with both these types of players, but just the sheer minutes gives them the floor to feel confident in it that if you're going to spend down, those are probably the two better options that we could do it with. And then that brings us home. Um, I will pass it over to you because I made it very apparent, I think, on uh, the last show I was on. Uh, I don't have the time to research prop bets at the point. Uh, I have I, I am I'm trying to hold my wherewithal doing DFS um, while trying to get all the moving stuff and everything situated and, you know, get my hand slapped every time I pick up my phone and I'm looking at scores and try to switch to the game. I get told, you know, what are you doing? We're moving in like two weeks, three weeks, and we, we haven't <laughs> even found an apartment yet. And she's absolutely correct for doing so. Uh, so I will pass it over to you to give two Thrive Fantasy picks because I know I'm not saying that you, you don't have a busy life or anything. Uh, <laughs> but what well. I am saying is that you are a prop bet master, and I prefer to let our listeners get it coming from the guy that is actually researching. Fair enough. And as far as the prop bets are concerned, I get to stay on brand here, which is always nice for me. Uh, Tobias Harris. Seven and a half rebounds over for 110 points. Uh, three out of the five games, he's dropped double-digit rebounds on there, and even on the games where he didn't get past seven, he was still sitting at either six or seven, which really is his uh, season average. As I said, the way uh, the defense is kind of working out for the Toronto Raptors, Tobias has been required to be much more involved on the rebounding end, and I expect that he will continue to do that, and I feel pretty confident going in with that over. And on the other hand, I do believe that uh, the uh, Scotty Barnes one where he's listed at 19 and a half for his points and rebounds combined, that is also a pretty safe over to be able to take as well. Uh, 100 points are not as juicy as the Tobias one, but I expect that that's going to be a, a pretty solid spot with him getting that much more involved on the offensive end. His rebounds are kind of just there as part of his hustle. So the more he hustles on the offensive end, he's able to go and grab more of those boards alongside it. So I'd expect that if he has a good offensive game, he's probably uh, going to be somewhere close to that uh, seven to eight rebounds that he was during the regular season. So a pretty pretty safe bet as far as I'm concerned. I like it, my friend. Those both sound, uh, those both sound tasty. Both sound tasty. Uh, but I won't be playing, unfortunately. So you guys take advantage of Harris's plays. My man knows what he's talking about. And that brings us home, man. So if you guys would like, we would like it. Follow us on Twitter at Mike Apatria, M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A. You can find Harris at H-A-K underscore devil. That is H-A-K underscore D-E-V-I-L. Give us a thumbs up, five-star rating review whenever you have a chance. Uh, I mean, if you're still listening at this point of the season, we do appreciate it. Uh, there are degenerates like ourselves out there, and we should all, you know, rejoice uh, in the fact that there's still DFS, there's still NBA, 
Uh, as we all know, the, the DFS selection in the games, it gets a little softer uh, after the first round. So let's take advantage of it while we still can, while we still have some variability. Uh, we're not just guessing at which bench guy that plays 16 minutes goes 6 or 7 that night. Uh, we still got some good plays out here to take advantage of. So, again, thank you guys for listening. And, Harris, is there anything else you would like to leave us, uh, leave us on before we get out of here? Yeah, I agree completely on the degenerate. And being the degenerate I am, I uh, went ahead and bet on the Raptors to win the series when they went down three nothing at a uh, sixty to one. So I'm totally like fingers crossed that we can uh, push this at least to a game seven. A great scenario to be able to do that. And for those who happen to care, I've already got uh, tickets for a potential game seven in Philly. So I'd be driving down for that as well. So just really excited uh, for the rest of this weekend to play out and uh, hopefully. Hopefully see a miracle happen, man. Owen, Owen 143 for a 3-0 series. Someone's got to make history, and, well, maybe it can be Toronto. You heard it there. Party, uh, Harris Yacht Party, if the Raptors, if the Raptors win this series. <laughs> uh, on him, all the listeners get to come. You, you heard it here first. He said it. Um, maybe, yep. you know, might have cut out during that part when you guys were <laughs> listening, but he, he mentioned it. Um, I'm, I'm here to, I'm here to stick by that, but I, man, that would be awesome. I would love to see it. Personally, um, I'm always rooting for the underdog. I feel like unless it's you know, do Utah Jazz, but they're they're still favored in this game. So that is it from uh, Harris. That is it from me, Mike Patria. We will be back on Sunday to talk about the next slate together. But you'll get to hear Santino uh, and Mr. Dave Menkoff break down tomorrow's action for you guys. So take care and let's go take down some GPPs. <laughs> 